The general public and even Sidney Crosby's biggest fans will acknowledge that he does not make for the most scintillating interview. I'm being nice here. But Sid does tell the truth. Yesterday, he had a few compelling truths to offer regarding your favorite hockey team. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Sid and the rest of the Penguins did their annual thing where they go and take season tickets out to fans' homes here in the Pittsburgh area. Sid went to the Jackson family's home in Westview, PA. Our Taylor Haas was there to cover it. And after Sid got the uh, obligatory shocked response at the door after he rings the bell, they always know that a player's coming. They don't always know which player is coming. So it's fun. It's a fun thing. Uh, I've talked to families who've been the ones getting Sid, and I've talked to a family that once got Chad Ruweedle at their door and he became their favorite player forever. So that's just how connections are made. It's one of the cool things that the franchise has done. When it was over, Sid did spend some time with the media that had been assembled there in the driveway. And in speaking with the local media for the first time since the playoff elimination, he had this to say, about the outlook for the coming season. You know, you look at last year, you know, we played a pretty good team and did some good things. We didn't, we didn't close out the series, but, um, you know, we did, we did enough good things probably, you know, without doing that, that um, we were definitely uh, right there and, and could have had it. So I think there's, there's optimism because of that. We played good hockey. We've had instances where we've had guys out and found ways to win and, uh, you need to do that consistently. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's the reality. But uh, that being said, I think uh, we've proven that we can be a good team and it doesn't get any easier. But um, I think we're motivated and we definitely have a good group that's proven uh, we can be a good hockey team. We've got to find a way to, to get over the hump. He's not lying. He's also not stretching it. Did you notice that? He's not using superlative, over-the-top terms. He's not saying that we're a great team, that we're a cup contender, uh, you know, or a cup favorite, or whatever the case would be. He wasn't doing any of that. And not that he's ever been prone to do that. And that's part of the beauty of conversing with Sid. You're getting what's real. You're getting what's authentic in his world. He absolutely, unequivocally, I can guarantee you this, believes that this team that the Penguins have assembled heading into the coming season is a good one, is one that can play with anyone in the conference, that can compete, make a run deeper into the playoffs than it's done for a few years now. And he's right. We've seen it. I know what the outcome was in Manhattan. I know what the outcome was on Long Island. And I know, just as you know, if you take emotion out of the equation, that both of those had to do with very different issues at the same position. In the first one, Tristan Jari freaked out. In the second one, Tristan Jari wasn't available. 
But what's there now is still a good hockey team. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I also feel a nefarious obligation to carry this little theme of mine today to the next level, which is that Sid doesn't lie. And when Sid was asked if he'd had anything to do with Evgeny Malkin signing his contract, as one absurd report had suggested back at the time, and absurd, I say, based on having known Sid for a very long time and knowing that he goes out of his way to stay out of such things. Always has and wasn't about to change that this time around. This was Sid's response yesterday when Taylor Haas asked him if, in fact, he'd had anything at all to do with Gino staying. With Gino, it kind of came down to the wire. Did you have any involvement with that? Did you step in, talk to him? No, I mean... uh try to stay up to date with everything you know i don't want to bug guys and you know they've obviously got a lot on their mind trying to kind of work through all that stuff and um i'm sure there's a lot of people asking them what's going on but um yeah i didn't uh i was more just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen and you know trying to stay in touch with them you know relatively often but you know i just i didn't want to bug them either so um yeah, just, just like I said, hoping that everything worked itself out. There it is, right from the captain. Can I tell you my least favorite thing about hockey fans? And believe me, I'm speaking from experience, having been exactly that for the entirety of my life, and a passionate, rabid one at that. Hockey fans will bite hook, line, and sinker on Every manufactured thing that's out there, unlike fans of any other sport, my long-held belief is that hockey fans do this because there's less standard media content for hockey than there is for anything else. Think about it. If you're an NFL fan, you can turn on any number of channels. You can get inundated with information from all different directions. The same thing applies to Major League Baseball. And I'm going to presume that in the markets that have the NBA, that it's similar. Not with hockey. I know that for a fact. That's why people like me grew up bookmarking tsn.ca or globeandmail.ca or anything that ended in .ca because the Canadians were all over it and the American media wasn't. Unfortunately, that's bred a culture that just buys anything and talks about anything that gets put into print. And that can make coverage at a site like ours at DK Pittsburgh Sports a little challenging because we don't allow such stuff. You know, we just try to play it straight and make sure that we're getting the facts, whether we're first or dead last honestly isn't that big of a deal. Nice to be first, but the problem with the rush to be first or to grab a headline or to sell subscriptions off of a headline 
is that human nature is going to take you down a bad path. You're going to get a little bit desperate. You're going to do some bad things. That's what happened here. A lot of attention was placed on that setting back then, meaning both Latang and Gino. And hey, I felt that heat too. So did our reporters. We all wanted to have the the tiniest scraps of nuggets of anything related to this signing or potential signing or losing these iconic franchise players. You feel it. But you don't just make stuff up, you know? You don't just make stuff up. There's going to be people who believe that Sid talked Gino into staying for who knows how long. And it's going to be dead wrong, according to a guy who doesn't lie. When we come back, J1Q... comes from Bruce Sears who asks, can the Penguins roll out four lines with the current forward group? After Evgeny Malkin came back from injury this past season, they were basically a one-line team and a very good power play. I mean, they have to be, Bruce, on multiple levels. They have to be from the five-on-five production standpoint for the reason that you just cited. The Penguins had one effective five-on-five unit whenever it came to playoffs. They did. If it wasn't Sid's line producing not just the the goals, but all of the advanced analytics and everything else that they were doing, if it wasn't for them, you would have seen a pretty mediocre team across the board, if that. Now, not coincidentally, and we've talked a lot about this over the summer, when Sid had to leave the lineup and Gino was put between Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, what do you know? Gina all of a sudden looked pretty productive, too. It's, it's not an accident. You have a couple of really, really, really good NHL wingers on that first line. You need more. That's it. And you have no choice if you're Mike Sullivan over an 82-game schedule but to roll four lines. I don't care what time of year it is. I don't care what the schedule looks like, meaning in terms of back-to-backs or travel. You have to roll four lines, and you have to do it, arguably, even more evenly than you have in the past. Why? Again, Captain Obvious, they're older. These guys are older, all of them, especially the core guys. And you have to preserve them for the games that matter the most. I'm in favor of, the head coach certainly isn't, actually sitting them out in select games on the road, back-to-back nights. I'm in favor of looking at the schedule overall, and they've done this in the NBA, they've done it in Major League Baseball, where they say, hey, listen, this year, in lieu of 82 games, you're going to play 70 Here's the way we're targeting this. Now, we can adjust this as we go based on injury, based on need, meaning the team's need at a certain point. Like, for example, if Gino goes down, Sid's not going to take his nights off. I'm totally cool with this. The hockey world is totally not. And I don't have to guess at Sullivan's stance on this because he has said very clearly 
including in this calendar year, that he's not. But that's the extreme to which I'd take it. Because I believe that this team can get into the playoffs at roughly 85% capacity. Because they've done it. They did it just this past season. They did it the year before and finished first in the division. So why put in resources that you don't need to put in when you and the organization would have everything? I'm wasting my time here. They're not going to do this. But I'm just letting you know that that's, that's how strongly I feel about that. Now, from there, you can at least extrapolate that it's the right thing to do to make sure that you're rotating guys five on five, that you're not double shifting, which, by the way, Sullivan's really good at avoiding in the regular season, no matter how big the game or the situation might feel. He keeps Sid and Gino both right around that 19 to 21 minute mark. And that's something that he does in concert with the players, making sure that they're cool with it. Uh, Latang's obviously a different discussion when it comes to ice time, but even he is probably going to have to need it at some point. And now I'm remembering here that this isn't even what you asked about. You asked if the Penguins have the people to do it. I think they might have the people if they're open-minded going into this training camp about who can be on those third and fourth lines. If they're closed off, if they say, and I keep picking on him as an example, that Brock McGinn absolutely positively unconditionally has to make this lineup, then you're not going to see anybody else, no matter how well they perform, a younger guy or even a steady guy like a Philip Hollander or someone, have an actual chance. You're just not. And that's going to hurt you lineup-wise. From there, you've got to find the right combination, and that means finding another or recreating another Teddy Bluger line. You don't have Zach Aston Reese. You don't have Brandon Tanev. I don't know what it was that you were getting from McGinn in the second half of last season. So you're going to have to do that one pretty much from scratch. It's going to be an interesting training camp on both of those fronts. I really believe that. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 